This is TV Podcast Industries, and we're here to talk about Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 5, Imposters. You betrayed everything I believed in. No, you wanted to mold me in your image, your mentorship, your affection. It was conditional. Do you dare to question my honor? I joined the Maquis because belonging there meant standing up to injustice, even if it meant betraying your beloved Starfleet. That was me. But you could never understand that because you confuse morality with duty. And that, Admiral, is your dishonor. I believed in you. Only when it was easy for you. If I meant so much, you would have understood. You broke my heart. And she broke mine. Welcome back, fellow Trekkies and Trekkers. You are joining TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about Star Trek Picard, Episode 5 of Season 3, Imposters. It is certainly a good day to die. (laughs) I am one of your hosts, John. I'm your other host, Derek, and a very happy St. Patrick's Day. Belated. Yes. Slightly belated. Slightly belated, yes, exactly. Yes, happy St. Patrick's Day, fellow Trekkies. I hope you're wearing your green uniforms. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. I'm sure everybody is. Everybody does that, don't they? Yeah, and having a us. Guinness from uh, 10 forward. Of course, of course. Uh, yes, uh, not St. Patrick's Stewart's Day, St. Patrick's Day, uh, our annual celebration in Ireland of our patron saint uh, has kicked off. So uh, it was on a Friday this year, so it's a long weekend for everybody uh, over here. We took a little bit of time out to... Uh, uh, enjoy the celebrations before recording. So we're recording a little bit late. And unfortunately, Chris has taken the opportunity over the long weekend to uh, do some work on the house. So he's uh, he's pulled apart his podcast room, so can't record with us this time. That is true. Yeah. I, I, I thought he was actually getting paralytic on Guinness. <laughs> so he's still on a two-day hangover. That would be very unlike Chris. It would. Be very like us. Yes. But very unlike Chris. Yes. <laughs> but no, he will be back uh, for the next episode of Star Trek Picard uh, when we record next week. But um, a little bit of time out for him. Definitely. Yeah. Um, remember, fellow Trekkies, head on over to our website, if you haven't already done so, to tvpodcastindustries.com, where you can subscribe to the podcast, any f- Federation or Romulan supporting podcast player of your choice Mm. you can also leave a voicemail over on the website for feedback as well as sending in emails to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com we love to get your thoughts theories comments observations Mm -hmm. uh, on all the shows that we cover and in particular for this fantastic um series so far or season so far i should say Mm -hmm. of uh star trek picard yeah they're throwing everything into this this one this oh really are yeah i feel like we should be changing that to federation or changeling supporting well that is true actually at this this stage yeah Yeah. romulans were quite uh significant the first two seasons but i don't think so uh this season no not really it is more changelings yes it is 
But let us get into our spoiler-filled discussion of episode five, Imposters. Mm -hmm. Derek, who gave us what, where, when, how, and why? Well, the show was created by Kiva Goldsman, Michael Shaban. Kristen Bear and Alex Kurtzman. Uh, the story for this episode was written by Cindy Apple and Chris Derrick. Uh, Cindy's second episode this season and fifth is overall for Star Trek Picard. And this is Chris's second writing credit as well. Um, he's also the story editor on the show and has been since the beginning of the show. So, uh, so two seasoned veterans of yeah, Picard absolutely. in here. Yeah. First time director, though, Dan Liu jumps aboard for the next two episodes for this episode and the next one. Um, he was an editor on The Walking Dead for most of its seasons and directed three episodes of The Walking Dead as well. Also directed an episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds as ah, well. Ah, there's the entry point. Exactly, exactly. And two episodes of Shadow and Bone on Netflix. Excellent stuff. Yeah, season Love two, that show. Yeah, season two just released this, this week. Um, so we've been uh, catching up on that as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, good stuff. Great to have Dan on board for this uh, excellent episode as well. For sure. That really, really good episode. Surprises galore. Absolutely. Emotion galore for me, mm -hmm. at least. Yes, well, let's get into it then, John. Do you yes. want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 5, Imposters? Sure. Having escaped the Shrike and Captain Vadic, Will Riker returns command of the USS Titan to Captain Shaw as Picard and Riker accept they must come to account for putting the Titan and its crew in danger. Shaw informs them that he has already contacted Starfleet, who send the USS Intrepid to intercept them and take Picard and Riker into custody. Elsewhere, Worf and Raffi continue their investigation into the Metallus Prime attack. They track a close associate of Sneed, the Vulcan criminal Kryn, who they believe helped the Changelings gain access to Daystrom Laboratories. They try to outmaneuver Kryn, who believes he is one step ahead after he captures them both and forces them to duel to the death. Raffi seemingly defeats Worf, but Worf manages to use all his battle knowledge to turn the tables, kill Kryn's minions, and force Kryn to give them vital information about the attack. As the Intrepid shuttle docks on the Titan, it is Commander Ro Laren who heads the Starfleet security team. Picard's emotions run high, seeing Ro, who betrayed Starfleet and Picard's trust years earlier by defecting to the Marquis. Now reinstated, though, she begins a frosty interrogation of Picard. In the sickbay, Beverly Crusher conducts an autopsy on the dead changeling discovering it has evolved to hold their shape for longer and can mimic blood and internal organs to evade Starfleet's security protocols. She manages to notify Picard, immediately adding suspicion to Picard's feelings of hurt and betrayal that he feels towards Roe. On the way to see the Changeling, Roe suddenly dragoons Picard into the holodeck, where they vent both their feelings of betrayal and anger, which make them realise that they are not Changeling imposters. Mm -hmm. Asking Picard to trust her once again, she reveals to him that she suspects a changeling conspiracy that has infiltrated and compromised Starfleet's highest levels and throughout the fleet, including both the Intrepid and Titan. Picard realises he still trusts her, and they reconcile. Just before she heads back on the shuttle, Roe gives Picard her Bajoran earring. On the shuttle, she discovers her security team are changelings, they plant a bomb on board the shuttle before transporting back onto the Titan to capture Jack Crusher. They find Jack and are joined by two other changelings, but as they go to transport him off the Titan, Jack's red visions return, and he efficiently kills all four changelings, avoiding capture. 
but Rowe can't get off the shuttle and is forced to steer into one of Intrepid's warp engines, sacrificing herself to give the Titan time to flee from the Intrepid that is powering up shields and arming its torpedo and laser arrays. The Titan manages to escape the crippled Intrepid. While in hyperspace, Picard and Riker realise Rose Earring is a data chip that contains the intelligence she gathered on the Changeling Conspiracy. As they assess the data, an incoming transmission comes through as Worf, who was Rose agent, contacts Picard and Riker. Back in sickbay with the four Changeling bodies, Beverly asks Jack how he, he knew the people he killed were Changelings. Jack doesn't know, but confides with his mother that something is seriously wrong with him. Or something is seriously right with him. Well, yes, maybe. A guy knows how to take out a group of uh, a group of enemies, doesn't he? Yes, yeah. he certainly does. Very cool. Um, uh, interesting opening of the episode where we had the, uh, the his nightmare as he kills all of the bridge crew. Yes, he's, yeah. His red visions, I'm calling them. Okay, okay. I good. don't know what they are. Yeah. I mean, nightmare, there is a hint towards that from Beverly in that mm. conversation when he was a child yeah so yeah who knows but i guess we'll talk about those absolutely Um, but i mean i mean first off just for for me this was a fantastic jam-packed episode lots of emotion Mm -hmm. love the return of roe laren oh real surprise Um, real surprise for sure um really kept the story on uh, and nice tenter hooks i thought um and some Great visuals here, yeah. Um, with the Intrepid, so I'm yeah. so glad they've been able to keep this stuff secret. You know, there's, absolutely, there's lots of returning characters, and they kind of mentioned that there'd be a few uh, people that we wouldn't suspect were returning. But they gave out six episodes of the show as screeners, which meant, which means lots and lots of people saw these episodes well in advance and kept the secret to themselves. Thankfully, which doesn't always happen. No, you get those articles from some uh, some let's say, less than positive places on the internet where they go, we have a theory that uh, Ro Laren's going to turn up uh, maybe towards the midpoint of the season, and then suddenly it's like, oh, their theory proved correct because they saw the episodes <laughs> in advance. But we didn't see any of that uh, this time. So a uh, nice surprise seeing Ro arrive. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, love this character from yeah. The Next Generation. Um, just it, She always felt such a different Starfleet officer. Absolutely. You know, really prickly, you know, just coming from a different set of ideals. And mm-hmm. um, and the relationship with Picard, I think, was really, really good. Definitely. So, yeah, I, yeah. I love this. Love how they jumped off on this. I found it really difficult to stop calling her Ensign Rowe, though, because that's uh, how we were introduced to her back in yeah, I know, season five I know. Of, uh, of Next Generation. So, uh, so Commander Rowe here. Commander Rowe, indeed. Yeah. But let us get into our main points mm-hmm. first off our small moment of the episode make it so number one yes what's your uh what's your opening quote or your your moments that you uh, that you liked your small moment from the episode john my small moment is effectively from small acorns do large oak trees grow oh, it really nice. is a big moment uh mm-hmm. to be honest but it's just the the conversation between picard and roe in the holodeck mm-hmm. and in particular where you have Rose saying to Picard, you broke my heart. And Jean-Luc coming back and finishing with, and you broke mine. And so good, yeah. It was just really, really good. I, I found their interactions um, just really emotional mm-hmm. here. Um, and I just love the follow-up line from Picard. You know, that pain tells us 
we are who we say we are. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, you can't fake that, you know. And I just thought it was done so well. Again, really small lines, Mm -hmm. um, but it just set up the whole... um, the whole thing in the corridor for me where um, she's going back on the shuttle and it's just, and also the larger moment later on, which is also uh, my big point. Right. So I won't talk about it now, but yeah. it, it just really was fantastic. These two, uh, you know, in Patrick Stewart and Michelle Forbes, I just loved the screen time yeah. with these two. Because um, it works so well, doesn't it? Because the whole premise now that we have to change things so heavily involved in the show is trust no one. And bringing back a character that is untrustworthy anyway yeah. to walk in there, you don't expect them to be there. Picard, of course, doesn't even believe that she's back in Starfleet. So there's this kind of constant back and forth with her. He's probing her, trying to get information out of her, you know, um, tell me how this came about. And effectively, she reads off something that she could have read on a computer. And he's kind of going, these are all facts. I need the emotion behind why you made these choices. If I don't get that emotion, I can't possibly think that you're not a changeling. You'd be exactly the kind of person that they'd replace and uh, and get on board. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and certainly the, with the information that he gets in mid-interrogation mm-hmm. there. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought this was a really great moment. Yeah. Um, I just I love how they're bringing these characters back. Yeah. Um, I really do hope we get some Deep Space Nine characters, but I, without a doubt. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm expecting not really. As this season goes on, I'm kind of expecting less and less that we will, but think, I, you I, never know. I think it's a real possibility. I think there's definitely some characters out there. You know, I only found out this week, and maybe, maybe I knew and I forgot, but I only found out recently that that storyline of Roe joining uh, the Marquis, um, that was supposed to be kind of a jumping off point where she would go and be. Uh, the Bajoran character on Deep Space Nine. She was she was supposed to be a major character, but Michelle Forbes decided not to go ahead and join that series. So that's where we get Kieran Arise, our one of our favorite characters Ooh, from all of Deep Space Nine. You just think possibilities yeah. of that. I mean, Kieran Arise was great. I lo- yeah, really, really enjoyed her on Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Um, but you can kind of see that kind of kernel in 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 the story that could have been. Yeah, we already know. That Anson Rowe is uh, doesn't trust Starfleet, and she has to work with them. You can kind of see uh, how that would work, but then we wouldn't have got Kieran Reese. So uh, hey, it uh, it worked out for the best. But uh, but it is great to see Rowe back. Uh, Definitely, in this really absolutely. Cool. I just I do wonder if the holodeck is just permanently set to ten forward now. Um, I think it's great. I think <laughs> it's, it's like great. go to the holodeck. It's ten forward again. <laughs> you know, good things always come. Um, over a, a, a nice drink together yeah. with friends, whether that's tea coffee and cake or whether it's um beer and some bar nuts always always mix up some uh, some whiskey uh behind the bar uh yeah i really like the idea that, that when picard goes in there he turns off the safety measures and is able to pull out a phaser on on rose so he's able to turn it to his advantage even though he didn't know he was going in there I would, the only thing i would have liked was a tiny little bit of explanation as to why she brings him into the holodeck. Because I presume it's because when you're in the holodeck, your communications aren't uh, able to be monitored from yeah. outside. It's a much more private place once you're inside there. I'd like just that, that little line in there, but that, not totally necessary. Still a fantastic scene, though. Absolutely. Derek, what's your small moment from the episode? Uh, I, I think almost every episode is going to be Shaw, really. Um, <laughs> I really, really enjoy the conversation that uh, that they have when uh, after Shaw gets reinstated as captain of the ship. I love that his first line to them is, 
And just so you know, I've already called Starfleet. You know, it's uh, thanks uh, for giving me back my control. I didn't want to tell you before you did that in case you did anything, basically. And him saying to uh, to uh, Seven as a courtesy, um, I'll reinstate you so you can uh, face the full brunt of uh, of Starfleet and give you a couple of minutes to get your crap story together <laughs> between the yeah. three or whatever you're, you're going to make up to justify all of this. But it's what follows is Picard, um, Riker, and Shaw in in the uh, turbo lift together, uh, having the conversation where they're saying, you know, maybe Starfleet will have a little bit of leniency on, on us because, of course, we are the legends that have saved the galaxy so many <laughs> times. And Shaw kind of turns it back at them and goes, you know, effectively gives them all of the things uh, in a different perspective, all the yes. things that they've destroyed, all the uh, possible uh, times the galaxy could have been destroyed because of the things that they did. And the line I absolutely love from uh, is when he says, when it comes to danger, you kind of have a chicken and egg thing going on. It just depends <laughs> on the perspective of other people around you yes. as to whether they will treat it well or not. Uh, love it. Love Captain Shaw. Absolutely. I just love the fact that he's kind of humming away to himself in the turbo lift. <laughs> and he's so going, I'm chipper. It, it's not because you're about to be taken into custody <laughs> and charged with you know hijacking a Starfleet ship. Exactly. Um, I'm just in a chipper mood. <laughs> <laughs> He's fantastic. Yeah, He's so absolutely. good. So good. And, of course, an Irish captain here, Liam Shaw, uh, as well. Good one for St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> good stuff. That's my small moment. Uh, good. Let us get on to our medium moment of the episode. Implement the Omega Directive immediately. So, yes, John, what's your medium moment, your Omega Directive? Um, it is Jack Crusher. He has skills and... Really quite they, deadly skills. Yeah, they seem to be multiplying. Um, yeah. No, I, I really like the continuation uh, of uh, his his visions or, mm-hmm. or dreams or memories or, or whatever they are. Um, right from the opening where you see him coming onto the um, command deck mm-hmm. of, of, the, of the Titan and effectively dispatching the entire crew that's up there yeah. um, very efficiently. Uh, again, we see him have another one of those visions uh, once the Intrepid has arrived yeah. and he has been given the uniform by Seven of Nine. Yeah. Again, linking back to that earlier vision, he's kind of, no, no, I don't want to take this. I don't want to be in a uniform yep. because I've had this vision that has me in a uniform. Yeah. But then going to the transporter, again, seeing that kind of almost root system that comes into the like transporter the veins, yeah. stream yeah and uh i have to say when i was watching that i was going they've changed the transporters and they look really dangerous yeah well exactly like, okay, grand this is his vision grand. I, again <laughs> ending up with the death of an ensign mm. there um but again just being kind of almost a a vision that's taken him out of the moment that yeah. he's in uh but this really is Sort of leading to the fact that two, the two security officers who are part of Commander Rose's uh, team, mm-hmm. um, are actually changelings and come back on to the Titan to, to get Jack Crusher. You see them earlier with the, the, the file on him, mm-hmm. searching for him. The reason why he's been put in the uniform is to hide him in plain sight. Yeah. But I, I really kind of enjoy then they find him, two more come aboard, presumably from the Intrepid. Mm-hmm. And, um, as they go to take him in, again, you see this really, 
really efficient uh, form of uh, dispatching uh, adversaries by by Jack, you know, in very short order, uh, with a double tap on the final yeah. um, uh, changeling that attacks him. So he takes out these four um, very, very good. And I, I guess, you know, one of the things here, it's kind of, you know, this is a demonstration of some really serious skill set yes. in combat. Um, so it's similar you know, to Elnor that we saw back in the exactly, first of, of the Exactly. Very highly trained. Mm. And, you know, it, it's one of those things. Is is Jack a sleeper agent mm. or a Manchurian candidate? Right here. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, a, a, as a, a sleeper agent, is he, you know, part of Section 31, you know, the autonomous uh, defense and intelligence body mm. there? Um, is he part of that that is... Um, beginning to sort of be reawakened, but still he's not clear. Maybe. You know, is he, or is he a, you know, some form of changeling and there's a Manchurian candidate? But it it seems to me, I guess, my current working theory is that without him knowing, Mm -hmm. he is able to identify these highly evolved changelings now. Yes, um, and that's my feeling. That he's, he, I still feel that he's merged in some way with a changeling, that something has happened, that they've merged a changeling inside of him, and that's why he's able to read the other changelings yeah. that are there, something like that's that. That's why he's yeah. this high-priority um, asset mm-hmm. or an acquisition from the uh, for the changelings. Yeah. And so, um, you know, you see that then with... With Beverly, um, where they ask for a moment alone mm-hmm. uh, from Captain Shaw and the chief medic mm-hmm. of of the Titan, uh, you've got the four changelings, and you hear Beverly asking him, "Well, how did you know that they were changelings?" And he goes, "I don't." Yeah. Um, you know, there's something that that's happening that's wrong with me. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what it is. But you also but that's because Beverly has told them about. The his, the historical uh, nightmares that he'd had before that caused yeah, but as a kid, so yeah. it's almost like you know maybe he isn't a Section Thirty One highly trained. There's mm. something that happened as a result of his birth or mm. or whatever it might be, yeah. and something earlier on in his life. And um, given we have this anecdote about the nightmares, mm-hmm. um, as a child where he he didn't sleep, exactly. and that's where Beverly you know, kind of kicks off on this, but you mm. just have that moment uh, at the end of, of this episode. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one thing I kind of want to correct, something we said last week um, when we saw the the vision that Jack was having and we heard the voice of um, what we thought was Vadic, um, and this week in subtitles is confirmed the voice that he's hearing is Beverly. So I don't know whether last week was Vadic's voice or not or whether it was Beverly's voice then, and this time it is definitely Beverly calling out saying, come home. Um, is the is the is what he's hearing uh, when he's when he's having those visions as well. So I thought that was a bit that was a bit interesting. Why, yeah, absolutely. Why would Beverly be calling out him saying "Come home," or what is it? What is that memory? What's that vision that he's, or it, that he's it, getting? It's different voices. I mean, I, I'm yeah, still convinced that sort of in the last week's episode. Mm. There was a male voice there. There was definitely, yeah, yeah. But the other voice that was saying "Find me," we thought was Vadic. Um, and it may actually have been Beverly because it's a similar sentiment to what yeah, she's I mean, saying. I, this I still think it's a little unclear here, yeah, but yeah. definitely in this episode, it was Beverly. Yes. Um, and maybe it is around 
you know, subconscious competing elements that's going on. I mean, that's the thing until yeah. it's really explained. Is this a subconscious thing just within Jack's head? Not exactly. that he's able to hear voices, but they're kind of, you know, deep implants into his mind mm-hmm. memories and subconsciousness that are, are playing out and they're starting to activate in some way. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I, this was really good. Um, and I, yeah, I, I found this really interesting it was it was i must say that opening scene with the uh with him killing the bridge crew my first thought was ah no you can't take them all out i'm really getting to yeah, know yeah. them a bit yeah, you know? exactly. getting to enjoy having them around you know uh weird thing though in a dream i always find when they use these kind of dream sequences and shows it, it is something that's used very very often uh where you get a shocking moment and then oh it was just a dream i, f- I found this one a bit wild because we saw um Commander LaForge, isn't it? Who's the who's obviously Jordan LaForge's daughter? Um, we see her yawning because she's been on deck for so long, and it's such a weird touch because you're thinking this is a dream of Jack's. Why would he have that little tiny detail in there? That's why yeah. you kind of think: is it a vision of the future that he that everybody on board the bridge is replaced by changelings, and he goes on board there to kill them all? Is that why it's so specific? It's so detailed. Because my dreams are definitely not that detailed, <laughs> so uh, so that's that's one thing that made me wonder about about that scene: is the Titan going to eventually be completely overrun by changelings, and Jack has to go after them or something? Yeah, and I, yeah. I think in that first vision or, or dream, the 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 officer that he has to then finish off mm-hmm. and gets that root kind of system mm. over her face yeah uh, i like the touch where he sees her as he's getting i think into a turbo lift sort of walking across one <laughs> of the corridors and there's just a look between them yeah um, Tavine, I think it is. Yeah. yeah so it was really i i kind of just like you know nice little touches there about him sort of recalling that so you know mm-hmm. he is beginning to recall um the these things that are going on yeah, exactly. i guess hence why he's looking a little bit more out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, those those uh, red veins definitely reminded me of War of the Worlds. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, that's, that's the, true. The only reference I have to them. I can't think of anything in Star Trek that is like that. <laughs> I'm going to stick with uh, the changelings, a uh, changeling problem, but I'm going to stick with another crusher uh, aboard for my uh, my Omega Direct, my medium moment from the episode, because I do want to talk about the dissection, Beverly's dissection of the, uh, the changeling um, that was impersonating LaForge uh, last week because it is really interesting. We've seen them turn to a pile of uh, a pile of goo before. We've seen them turn to dust um, when Beverly killed them uh, earlier on in the season. This time, um, this changeling who gets shot stays in the shape of LaForge. Yeah. Uh, it's only when Beverly dissects all the way down to the individual internal organs that they start to turn back into their uh, original gloopy self let's say yeah uh, which i think is really interesting and very scary in itself this this concept of don't trust anyone because there is no way to tell at all whether they're a changeling or not is really bearing out in in what's happening with beverly it's very different to what we've seen before you know we have uh there are ways to detect them we've we've had that before so really the only way now to detect them is by interrogating them and having enough knowledge about the person you're talking to that they may slip up on the detail, and that's the only way you can pick up whether they're a changeling or not. So I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that Beverly can find some other um, mm-hmm. analytical procedure to to be able to scan them. But, yeah. I, yeah, I like the fact that, as well, when Beverly is doing this dissection, you know, and she cuts and realizes that the the blood test isn't going to identify them now mm. because there's blood 
and you and see... there's no DNA at but, all present. Yeah. No, but I like how you have it going back to Picard and Roe mm-hmm. in that interrogation right at the start where she says, let's just get this out of the way and cuts herself, shows yeah. blood. And yeah. so there suddenly you know, you're joining Picard on this this journey of suspicion exactly. uh, around Roe, um, which is really, really good. Yeah. I like as well that, you know, She's able to get the results to Picard with this trust no one mm-hmm. uh, whilst he's in with Roe. So, again, just everything that's gone before um, with her trying to prove uh, that she actually is Commander Roe mm-hmm. Laren uh, is all in doubt and is a huge question for Picard. Yes. So I liked how it interchanged with those elements here because, yes. yeah, it... It's really important, you know, it's only on sort of final dissection of the the organs mm-hmm. that they then break down. Um, and just the fact that it has organs yeah. uh, formed as well. Exactly. So it won't trip any of the scanners um, yeah. as you go through to get on board a Starfleet vessel. It's a really interesting one, isn't it? Cause, because when Roe arrived, they came over by shuttle, which was the first moment of... Um, a bit of concern that maybe Roe is a changeling. Uh, it's said that it's the security officer who insisted that they came over by shuttle, not by uh, transporter. We know now that they were changelings, so potentially there's a, a problem with the uh, with the scanners uh, as someone transports over that they may pick up their changeling on the transport over. But then we see those other two that you were talking about, the Jack killed, those are the two transporting in as well. So we see four of them transporting aboard. So I wonder if they're not... Um, fully formed until they get aboard the ship and mess with the transporters in some way so that they don't pick them up or something like that because they seem okay using the transporters after that initial arrival yeah uh, exactly from, i'm not too clear yeah. on that but although they use the shuttle the shuttle's transporters to transport them on not the titan's transporters i suppose maybe that's the yeah, way it's around. almost like a personal transporter yeah. system like we've seen in this series um yeah. you know exactly. uh, and in discovery yeah. uh, rather than coming through yeah the ships where you've got all the readouts yeah. uh, happening yeah uh, so yeah no, I, it it was really good. I also really like the fact that you have um, Ensign LaForge there <laughs> verifying via vomiting yes. that indeed, um, <laughs> you know, there is a lookalikey dead mm-hmm. on the table. There. Yeah, I thought that was a nice fun touch. Nice little joke. Nice little joke. Good stuff. Uh, that's my media moment uh, for the episode. Shall we move on to our prime directive, our major moments from the episode, John? Yeah, absolutely. We must face the ramifications of the Prime Directive. Yes, what are the ramifications of our Prime Directive, John? <laughs> do you want to kick us off with yours, or do you want me to take it? Yeah, I'll kick off. Okay. It It is Rose's death here. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the the self-sacrifice that she does. Um, the But it, it's also just everything that's gone before that makes this moment i mean i i was really emotional here mm-hmm. and seeing picard you know that wanting to bring her back towards the titans so they can actually get a full lock on her to transport her off before the bomb goes but you know it being too late so she heads to to take out one of the warp engines of the intrepid so that they can make good on their escape away from the, mm-hmm. you know, she suddenly realizes there's this huge compromise uh, that's happened here. But you know, it is. Well, um, 
she knows that there's that that her ship was com- compromised. Yeah, quite but, significantly. And what I do like about through the episode, when you look back on all the decisions that she's made, being in charge of the investigation, she's actually done a few things to prepare for this moment in case something goes wrong. She's taken half of the crew off um, the Titan to be. Uh, to be reassigned to other places so that there's a smaller crew. Uh, only the most important staff are left so that when Picard steals the ship, he won't have as much resistance in case there are loads of um, imposters aboard. No, I, I, absolutely. Like but, I mean, it's just the whole sequence. It's the fact that it starts off frosty between mm-hmm. um, Roe and Picard here. I mean, the whole sort of evolution of this episode between Picard uh, and Roe leads to this moment of self-sacrifice and it just makes it so impactful and really emotional um between the two uh you know starting off frosty having in a sense that distrust but then and and the 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 hurt of betrayal but Mm -hmm. the cathartic moment in the holodeck where effectively a face-off at phaser point between the two where you know they realize that the deep-seated pain the it is what makes them who they are yes. and then ro laying out her her conspiracy this mm-hmm. changeling conspiracy at the highest level of starfleet uh, asking for that trust to be returned to her mm-hmm. uh, and then in the corridor as they uh, as she's about to leave on the shuttle um you know all these years she sa- she says all these years, I wish you had known me. And she says, and I had known you. You know, it's a really good moment as she gives Picard um, her Bajoran earring. Yes. There uh, as some kind of gesture. Um, and then you have just the, the sheer helpless, helplessness that they can't get out off the shuttle. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is this bomb ticking down. And I, I just thought, you know, Picard then saying, I do see you everything, you know, forgive me. Mm-hmm. This really big emotional punch as her ship blows up in, in at the warp engine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's that moment with, like, I thought the framing of it was just amazing with uh, Jean-Luc in the captain's seat is head in his hands mm-hmm. as you see the titan in the screen behind sort of framed with the explosion happening uh, and it beginning to sink mm-hmm. and just the continuation of that where it's sinking down and then it comes back up and you have the whole um crisis moment aboard the titan because mm-hmm. intrepid is raising shields arming torpedoes um because they're framing the Titan yes. as though this is some kind of attack. Mm-hmm. Um, Completely overrun by changelings is, is the expectation. Yeah, the whole ship is effectively full of changelings. Yeah, and e- everything that Roe has told Picard, mm-hmm. you know, he has to get to um, across to Shaw, who's back in command. And I, in fact, Riker's line here is like, even if you still don't trust us, you know, trust what you're seeing with your own exactly. eyes, effectively. And yeah. yeah. um, so... This was hugely emotional for me. Mm-hmm. I thought the arc of it all the way through the suspicion as to whether she was a changeling, yeah. their past, you know, this this betrayal of her leaving Starfleet, joining the Marquis. Yeah. This, the whole conversations around, you know, you you, you mistake duty as being honourable. Absolutely. You know, all love, this really good. Yeah, blind faith in any institution is not honourable. I love that she calls into question 
Picard's blind faith that everything that Starfleet does is right. And yeah. she, especially in the background of this, that she knows there's a conspiracy going on. She knows that they've been infiltrated. So, you know, what missions have uh, the changelings sent people on that were actually for their benefit and not for Starfleet? You know, uh, I really like that yeah. kind of uh, background to it. Uh, one kind of closeout moment that I really like as well, a really well written uh, moment between Riker and Picard when Riker says to uh, Picard about the loss of Roe, um, I know how much she meant to you. And I like Picard's response being, well, I didn't even know that until now, until I've had this moment with her to reflect on our shared history and our past yeah. together. I didn't realize how much she meant to me, how much she could have been, or the way he treated her as a potential protege, trying to force her to be exactly like him in Starfleet. And she pushed back against that. It's not something that Picard experiences very often um, and echoed in the conversation with Jack as well, where Picard saying to him, I've seen many a rebel join Starfleet. And Jack's kind of looking at him and going, why do you think Starfleet is the answer here? I'm leaving. Once this yeah, is all yeah, done, absolutely. I'm out of here. Yeah, Stop yeah. trying to force me into Starfleet. You know, uh, That's the same mistake he made with Roe. Yep. So know? it was just really, really good. I, yeah. I loved every moment of this between them. Um, I really did. Yeah. I really, I'm just, it, it, not only what happened, but I'm just sad that, um, you know, Roe Laren is effectively mm -hmm. gone from the Star Trek universe. Yeah. Uh, but a great, great character. Um, so uh, yeah. a massive moment. And closing uh, out a story 30 years yeah. uh, in the making almost. And I think they did a really good job bringing back the character. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Derek, what is your big moment from the episode? Well, there were two other major characters in the episode who finally connected in with this story. Yes. Um, really liked this. Uh, Worf and Raffi off on their adventure trying to work out what is going on with the Daystrom Institute and trying to connect all the dots there. Um, we find by the end of the episode that it was actually Roe who was their handler. Roe Laram was the one that was um, was sending Worf on all of these missions to investigate what was going on with the changelings because she utterly trusted him, of course, uh, to, to work this out and to find out uh, what's going on in the background with the changelings and that leads them to the Vulcan Kryn who is uh, who was connected with the Ferengi that uh, that was executed by uh, by yeah. Worf uh, whose head he took um on the planet of of Metallus Prime so uh, I wasn't too sure whether I got the initial moment when they arrived at Metallus and everybody just ran away um I suppose that was quite a brutal attack from Worf where he cut off people's heads and killed loads of people there um yeah, I mean, effectively, they are the alphas of District says, yeah. Six. <laughs> yes, um, because you know they've they've stamped their authority effectively mm -hmm. as the you know the head honchos or um, the headless honchos, I guess. Well, or the head hunting honchos, maybe. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> maybe that's it. I guess right, they're yeah. the last people to have taken out the king of District Six. Yes, so they are de facto the replacement yeah yeah but I, I do like that we have Kryn arriving here with his uh with his crew he knows to plan for Worf I thought that was a really good reveal yeah. where well and it's it's very um, Vulcan to do that you know is. logically I wouldn't just show up and not think exactly. about this uh, exactly. I thought it was really good they do play with his logic quite a bit uh in the episode I thought that was quite interesting because you know you don't it certainly don't expect Vulcans to be uh, criminal masterminds uh yeah. tends not to be the way that we've seen Vulcans in the past so I do like you know his his logic of well if if there is going to be a criminal element on this planet, it's only logical that I would be involved in that. You know, <laughs> this is his kind of statement about it. Um, but he sets Worf and Raffi on a fight to the death or against dare each I say other. It. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. dare I say it, a ye oldie fight to the death, Definitely. as uh, Raffi says. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that 
And that was it. I thought that was intriguing, but I'm not entirely sure why it went that way. But I mean, you hear Crane, I guess it's, you know, that they've effectively had bets anyway. It, you know, he says that the reason he's doing it is because himself and Sneed were brothers that grew up. The death of Sneed affected him significantly. So now he's going to make payback the two, these two friends fight each other yeah. to the death. It's, it is okay. absolutely payback. I kind of yeah. missed that point. Yeah. 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 So that um, makes sense then. Yeah. yeah. But. They've planned for this. Um, Rafi and Worf have, have battled many times in the past. So uh, so Rafi just tries to miss the internal organs of uh, of Worf um, so that he looks dead. Um, he has practiced this from all of his training. He's, uh, yes. he's been able to slow his breath to make it look like he he's has, dead. He has mastered the Kalis technique. That's it. Yes. That's it. So um, that gives him the ability to, uh, to sneak play, up on all of them. Play dead oh, yeah. and then dispatch uh, everyone quite efficiently again yeah, definitely yeah. and then leading him to the uh to confronting Crin and getting the information that they need about the daystrom institute so yes there is something else at the daystrom institute that uh, that was taken by uh the changelings and their supporters um so that they were able to uh to accomplish their goals and Crin gives them a way in um to it he's the well one he that has the, the way in yes exactly yeah. and an interesting point where he says you know because we we hear the daystrom uh institute has um, this AI security system that can learn and so on, but there are certain parts of it that are, as Crin says, weirdly illogical. Yes. So you're wondering whether the changelings, you know, could have been involved with that AI Set system. Maybe. You know, you just don't know. Like, yeah. why would it be strangely illogical? Mm. Uh, and that's the that's the weak point that Crane can leverage in order to which this, this yeah. an exploit, mm. which is this little uh, chip. Yeah. Uh, or whether it's just that human logic is nowhere near as good as um as Vulcan logic. Mm. So yeah. their logic mastery means that even though the top Federation scientists may think they have a top security system mm. and it's and it's logical protocol uh, for for learning yeah. and so on that maybe they didn't yes it could be could be that i do also have something in the back of my mind because we have been at daystrom before daystrom was quite foundational to the start of this show right back at the, at the start of season one where we mm -hmm. had uh, effectively ai androids being created from data um back yep. at the start so is this our point where we get to bring back brent spiner as uh, as lore in this season or as, so. uh, or as somebody else uh, potentially uh, so will we find that that's what they stole when they were at daystrom that there was another uh, version of data let's say that was uh, that was there that's who they stole so maybe that's the ai security system that doesn't operate just in logic because it's a learning AI system. Yes. Like data was. So um, that's a very simplistic way of looking at it. I'm sure lots of Star Trek fans uh, would not take that explanation of data, but that's, <laughs> that's roughly the way I'll say it. I wonder if that's what the connection is, but it really is, is really intriguing. And I love that as, um, Riker and Picard are eventually going through the Bajoran era and getting all the information that Roe has put together. It doesn't auto connect effectively to Worf. It rings him automatically, and he's like, uh, "Hello, <laughs> is that is that you?" No, Picard? it's an incoming transmission. Yeah, so but it's it it's like as if it activated this incoming call to to Worf, where he's going, 
He's trying to get in contact because he hasn't made a video call to Roe before. He's suddenly on a video call effectively to uh, to Picard and Riker, and he's he's kind of going, "Hang on a second, why are you there?" Yeah, you know? no, I like so. that touch as well. That Roe was his handler, mm-hmm. um, and effectively uh, Raphaela's as well. Yes, um, even though through Wharf, through Wharf, yes. But um, so I really like that. You know, Roe mentions about she has two operatives on the ground that she can trust. Mm-hmm. So it was, yeah, this this was uh, a nice little touch. I loved as well just how the whole Bajoran earring thing came about with, um, you know, uh, Riker identifying it as old school intelligence mm-hmm. ploy. Um, old school spy stuff. You know, yeah. so it was good, yeah. yeah. I like that. And yeah. having her information that she's collected, you know, her sacrifice wasn't in vain. Exactly, exactly. And now we have Worf and Raffi uh, on their way to connect up with the Picard Yeah, and, and, and I'm intrigued, yeah. I guess, on Raffi's reaction to see Picard again, mm. just because of their, you know, relationship. So yeah, uh, that would be that would be good. Yeah, good stuff. I guess that's all our major points, John. Anything else about the episode you want to talk about? Um, just a small note. Uh, we kind of mentioned it at the start of the the discussion, uh, but Wolf saying today was a good day to die, yes, as uh, Raffi has, you know, put the knife in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, great to hear that line yeah probably know. one of Worf's most famous quotes from, yeah, uh, exactly. from the movies uh, definitely yeah really, really cool one uh, I do like um, just a, a little nod to another major Star Trek character in here Rose says that they she has reached out to try and contact um, Captain Janeway but yeah. to no avail so uh, so we do have a little reference to Admiral Janeway apologies I always forget her title has, has uh, expanded quite considerably <laughs> in the past so she's Admiral Janeway uh, but they have uh, they have reached out to try and contact her so you never know yeah she is currently Currently working on Prodigy, doing voice work on, on Star Trek Prodigy. You never know, we may get a little uh, little cameo of uh, I hope of, so. Of, of really hope so. At some point, that would yeah. be cool. That would be cool. Um, I know there's a few other little uh, little Easter eggs and moments that we haven't talked about, but I think we have some of them in the feedback. So, uh, so I'm going to hold off on those. Excellent stuff. Um, John, overall, what did you think of Star Trek Picard episode 305, Imposters? Uh, absolutely adored this episode. Mm-hmm. Um it was an emotional roller coaster for me. Um, yeah. Having Ro Laren back um, and her, you know, Michelle Forbes and Patrick Stewart. Uh, I just loved every scene that they were in. Mm-hmm. It just filled me with joy. I'd give this five blobageddons out of five. <laughs> I like that. Um, I thought, yeah, I thought it was just wonderful. Mm-hmm. And with a massive emotional. Uh, payout um you know in in a sad way really um i loved it and i loved how it connected um this this part of the story into wolf and and raffi i i actually i enjoyed seeing you know jack with this these kind of visions or psychic breaks that are happening over the episode Mm -hmm. as well and and it was just yeah it was really it was just spot on. I think that's all I can really say. It was just one of those ones where you just got absorbed into the episode. Yeah. As I say, I think there were some scenes as well, like the, the, the intrepid sort of beginning to just ail on the side of where the shuttle had exploded, going mm. down and down. And you see that in the background as Picard, his head in his hand, 
and but then just seeing the intrepid rise back up as its shields go on and so it was just really really cool. epic yeah um, and it, it felt three it felt times cinematic yeah it also looks a bit three times as big well as it Titan. did it, and it, it was yeah <laughs> it, it, it's yeah. it's a i guess more of a, a battle class of yeah. of uh vessel compared to the titan so um titan was wise to um Run away. Turn and run. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> run away. Get out of here. Absolutely. Very cool. Poor okay. Titan. Mm-hmm. Uh, first chased by the Shrike. Yeah. Um, and now, I well, I guess the Intrepid isn't going to be able to do much with one of its warp engines out. Yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. You know. Uh, but Der- maybe all of Starfleet after them, though. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, well, that's it. That's what they say. Exactly. Yeah. Everyone. Everyone's after So, them. everyone's going to be after them. Yeah. Uh, but Derek, what did you think of episode five, Imposters? Just loved this episode. Really, really good. Um, they're, they're, <laughs> we've said before they're hitting the nostalgia this season, but it's also being written really, really well. Uh, they're justifying it. It's not, you know, exactly. Um, I'm trying to think which, which of the Star Trek movies was it? Was it, uh, The Voyage Home where effectively they had to get all the cast back together from, uh, from the original series and it took them about three minutes. <laughs> I was like, okay, right. Everybody's back together now and off we go on our next adventure. Uh, one of the Star Trek movies that would like that. Whereas this, they're going, yes, you'll see the re- most of the cast of the next generation. We've already announced that everybody's going to be here, but we're going to give everybody their story, everybody their moment, and you're going to have some special appearances like here we are with Ro Laren, you know, someone yeah. I did not expect to appear in the show who gets her own great arc tying up a storyline that we, uh, that everybody has kind of wondered about whatever happened to Ro Laren, where what happened to her when she went off and joined the McKee. And they did it so well in here, um, having that suspicion on her because of the imposters that we've seen for the last few episodes, you know, uh, and it's becoming the story of how she really helped Picard and how she connected back in with him and then sacrificed her life for uh, for her mission, her own uh, investigation that she's Absolutely. doing. Absolutely. fantastic. Like, I, for me, I, I think this um, this season is producing some really classic, mm-hmm. classic episodes. Yep. For yep. sure. Yeah, they know um, they know their stuff and so they are great. nailing it. Yeah, absolutely loved it. Really, really, really good. Yeah, uh, and I will say, I know you didn't say it, John. I will say, the, immediately after we watched the episode, uh, John turned to me and said, "I could watch that again." Unfortunately, we have to take notes um, on the second time, but I could watch it again just for the fun of it because the episode was so good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so you loved it, as did I. Great stuff. I think we need to go back to ten forward, John. Yes, I think it is to raise a toast to celebrate Ro Laren and mm-hmm. um, for sure uh, welcome fellow quizzers and fellow Trekkies to the 10 forward pub quiz it is episode 5 mm-hmm. so it is question 5 here we go what are Raffi's weaknesses, according to Wolf? <laughs> very good, very good. Uh, I really like that moment with yes. the, uh, the fighting aboard La Serena between uh, between Raffi and Worf. Also, really liked her moment of stop making a point by making holes in my ship. Worf, when yes, he keeps exactly. throwing the knife to emphasize his points. Great stuff, John. Do you want to get that podcast question one more time? Yes. What are Raffi's weaknesses, according to Wolf? Good stuff. Fifth episode, fifth question. So gather together the answer to all ten questions in the ten forward pub quiz. Email us to feedback at TV Podcast Industries with your answers at the end of the series, and you'll be in with a chance of getting your hands on some Star Trek Picard final season goodies. Yes, indeed. Yeah, stuff. In the spirit of St. Patrick's Day, of course, good luck, fellow quizzes exactly. and fellow Trekkies. <laughs> exactly. Let's hop on over to Facebook for some feedback on this episode, John. Yes. Uh, first off on Facebook for this episode, 
Jamie Lawton says, I like that Morn and Brunt are still around and on Worf's usual suspects list. Very good. Nice to see Rolaren, Michelle Forbes involved. Always liked her in The Next Generation and Battlestar Galactica. Indeed. Mm -hmm. Also, the three incidents mentioned by Shaw are from the movie Generations, Insurrection, and Season 5 and Season 6 episodes Times Arrow Parts 1 and 2 all of which are linked to Data. Very good. In Generations, he installs the emotion chip. In Insurrection, the movie Data Malfunction is the start of the storyline plot. And the episodes start with the discovery of Data's head in a cavern in San Francisco with artifacts from the 19th century. Could this be a hint that somehow Law or Before could be appearing soon? Mm. Oops, Shaw actually mentions the Devron system, or as I thought he said, the Davidian system. He was mentioning the Next Generation finale, All Good Things, which he would not know about unless he had read Picard's personal log. Did we hear in the last episode, though, that uh, Picard had released his autobiography? Yes. Yeah, because all the, all the ensigns that were talking to him had yeah. read it. So I think maybe Shaw even though he's not a big fan of Picard, probably was hate-reading his autobiography. Yeah. What is he saying about him saving the galaxy here when yeah. actually he put us all in jeopardy? Or even, I guess, during sort of the academy training, mm. um, certain engagements uh, that Picard would have had yeah. um, aboard the Enterprise would would be taught, I guess. Yeah, it could be. It could be that. It could be that. Can you imagine though, if you blamed him for the death of all the people that that worked with you at Wolf yeah. Three Five Nine, if uh, everybody kept telling you about all of his amazing achievements all the time? I know. You can see why Shaw is not a big fan. Absolutely, <laughs> uh, good stuff, Jamie. Uh, and certainly, yeah, absolutely, there with you around um, seeing uh, Michelle Forbes mm-hmm. back involved. Uh, and yes, I. Loved her in uh, Battlestar Galactica as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah what a great, uh, great show that was. With editor. And yeah, yeah, thank you for all the information around uh, the three incidents mentioned by mm-hmm. Shaw. And yes, a bit of data link there. Absolutely. Let's see what happens in Daystrom, I guess. Yes. Uh, thanks, Jamie. Uh, Victor Von Doom says, more Raffian Wharf, please. Rolard's appearance only strengthens my bid for Cisco's return from the prophets. Mm. I believe it will take something like that to root out the changing invaders. Shaw steals every scene he is in. That Vulcan gangster scares me more than the Orions. The most frightening thing is the changeling evolution. How did Jack pass the transporter scans if he has something or someone inside him? I am fully engaged and a bit confused about the plot and loving it. I can hardly wait for Frontier Day. Well, indeed, when all... The bare ass cheeks of Starfleet's fleet will be in the air, <laughs> ready uh, well, yes. for something to happen. Um, <laughs> yes, because I mean, uh, a really uh, important point made mm-hmm. by uh, Rolaren there in the holodeck that you know all the preparations for this uh, grouping of the the fleet um, of vessels mm-hmm. for Frontier Day still haven't been released as to what the what the itinerary what the security protocols are going to be which Mm -hmm. is very suspicious given you know all the commanding officers don't know what's happening and it's very close to frontier day and rose saying she would generally have access to that kind of stuff so yeah uh, so why is it not available Yeah. yeah 
And also that there are changeling issues on a number of ships that are being kept stum. Yes, yes. Lots of transporter accidents, which have taken care of uh, some members of uh, of crew. So you know, very interesting to uh, to find out what's happening here. Um, but it's, uh, it is going to be an interesting frontier day. Seems to be the it's focal certainly point. Will. I totally that, agree there, Victor. Yeah. Really glad you're enjoying it uh, as well. Um, mm. And yeah, I'm definitely up for Cisco's return. I really hope he wants to. I, I would love it. I would absolutely yeah. love it. Uh, Victor, I'm also in full agreement with you. Fully engaged, a bit confused uh, with the plot, but absolutely loving it. <laughs> That's kind of where I am right now. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Thanks, Victor. Thanks, Jamie, for the feedback. Really good to get your, your thoughts there on episode five, Imposter. Yeah. If you want to send any thoughts that you have on any of the shows that we're covering, of course, you can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or pop on over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries, where we have a spoiler post up every week for each and every episode of the shows that we cover. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Star Trek Picard. We'll be back next week with Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 6, Bounty. Yes. Mm. Milk chocolate or plain? Or is it mutiny on the bounty? Or has somebody put a bounty on Picard's I'd, head? I'd, I would say bounty on someone's head. Bounty yeah. on Picard's head, yeah. I'd say. Yes. Definitely. Excellent. Yes, thank you, fellow Trekkies, for joining us. As always, a pleasure talking all things Picard uh, with you. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, until next week, keep watching, keep listening, and keep trekking. Today is a good day to die. Bye. No, it's not. You've got editing to do. Bye. Bye. Oh, well. (laughs) Keep living. Bye.